Welcome to Fire Away, Rudner Law's online show focused on the employment law issues that matter to you. My name is Stuart Rudner. I'm an employment lawyer and mediator and your host of this season three, episode six of Fire Away, also our fifth COVID-19 related episode. Just a reminder that Fire Away streams online every month and episodes are always available on our YouTube channel, our Facebook page, LinkedIn, and of course on our website. If you are watching this live, we'd be happy to answer your questions. So feel free to either post a comment on Facebook or on YouTube or by tweeting to at Rudner Law. We'd be happy to get to those questions. Today's topic is changing a little bit. We've been talking about COVID, as I said, for the past four episodes. We've talked about layoffs, leaves of absence, recalls, working from home, safety at work. Now we're going to talk a little bit about what the future might hold. There is a lot of speculation that when Whatever the new normal is, it will not be the same as it was before. And businesses are, are seeing a lot of cost savings by having people continue to work from home. So what if that becomes the new norm? And I am in my home office, the entire Runner Law team are working from their home offices. We have two guests today. They're both in their home offices. And if you read the media, you'll see that a lot of businesses are trying to get out of their leases or trying to reduce their footprint, looking at hoteling options. And I can tell you that we have a lot of clients who are realizing that even though they didn't think that they could be efficient with people at home, they can, and they can actually save a lot of money in the process. So how does this work in practice? As we all know, going into this, nobody had time to plan. We had to, most businesses reacted and turned on a dime and had people start working from home and we're making the best of it. But if it's gonna become a permanent thing, what does that actually look like? Can you have all of your workplace at home? Can it be some at home, some in the office? How do you onboard people? How do you, how do you terminate someone? How do you have progressive discipline? What's the impact on the mental health of your workers? Who pays for things like the computer at home, the Wi-Fi at home, all of that? And what about people who can't work from home because they've got three kids and they're in a two-bedroom apartment? So a lot of questions. I've only touched the scratched the surface there. A lot of questions. I'm joined today by two senior HR consultants who are very experienced and have a lot of ideas about what this might look like going forward. My first guest is Bridget Carter, the principal and founder of Sapphire Consulting. And our second guest is Cindy Zarnett, the founder of Square Dots. So Bridget, Cindy, thank you both very much for joining me today. I think uh, today is going to be a great discussion. And as I said before, I mean, we had a dramatic involuntary shift over the last few months and businesses have gone for the most part pretty well, which I think is why a lot of businesses are now starting to realize that they can keep things the way they are and not go back to having hundreds or thousands of people coming to the workplace every day. And a lot of people love the idea because they're not commuting. And if you live in Toronto, for example, you're probably saving a couple of hours a day in the community. At least. <laughs> At least. Your company is saving a lot of money. So this might become the way things are, but I guess I'll ask both of you guys and I'll maybe start with you, Bridget. Do you think this is going to become the new norm where, where most people are working remotely? Thanks for having me, Stuart. Um, and yes, to a degree, I think we are going to see much more remote work going forward. Um, I think we were already heading in that direction anyway, but COVID kind of just speeded up the process. Um, it certainly makes sense for us to be able to work from home, especially if we're in large urban areas or if we want to have people who work for us from different places. Um, there, are, there are a lot of benefits to everyone working remotely. Um, there are a few drawbacks, but there are really a lot of benefits for organizations and for individuals 
if we continue on this path. Yeah, and I think we're going to talk about some of those drawbacks or at least some of those complicating factors. Um, yeah. Cindy, do you, do you agree as well? Do you think we're going to see a lot more remote work? Thanks for having me, Stuart. I'm really happy to be here with you and Bridget today. I love the idea of remote work. I've been an advocate of it for a very long time. So I actually feel like we're kind of catching up to where I've been headed to for a long time. I actually used to work out of airports. So airports, remote work. So for me, this is my new norm, but it's kind of where I've been before. So I do think we're gonna see a lot more of it. And there's so many great things that can come from it. So change can be fantastic as well. Yeah, change is often good. And look, I'm, I'm in probably the most conservative conservative industry of all. I mean, the legal profession are ridiculously <laughs> reluctant to adopt technology, to embrace change. I do, as a lot of people know, I do a lot of mediation work. And over the last few months, I've done a number of mediations via Zoom. And it's been fantastic. But I had, I had to drag a few lawyers kicking and screaming into the virtual room to do it. Uh, but once they did it, they've seen that it can work. And we're seeing a lot of law firms now who are in no rush to have everybody come back, especially if they are downtown. Uh, so I think we're gonna see a lot of change. And the, one of the benefits, and I'll mention it now because I forget one of you mentioned it the other day, but it was a great point. You can expand your recruiting and you're not just getting the best person in the local area, you're getting the best person for the job no matter where they are. So that's to me one of the best benefits of this. Absolutely, Stuart, <clears throat> excuse me. Yes, and, and that is, it, it opens the door um, for a lot more in terms of diversity, um, in terms of diversity of thought, but also diversity of your applicants. Um, it allows you to include people who might otherwise not have considered your company for a role or vice versa. It allows an individual to consider a company that they might not have considered before because they couldn't get there. Um, if they can work remotely and if they can do the training and the communication really well, um, then it opens up the door to a lot more variety. Yeah, no, I think that's a great benefit. And I'm just thinking about this show. I mean, we've got you know, Rob in the background. We've also got Mark and Rebecca in the background. <laughs> and Rob's in a different country. Mark's in a different province. Rebecca's in a different city. But this works seamlessly. So why would we have to limit ourselves to people in the greater Toronto area? There's just no reason. Uh, it brings me to one of the complicating factors, which is hiring and onboarding. And I can tell you from what I've seen over the last few months, I've had clients going in completely opposite directions. I've had some clients who have onboarded new employees virtually, and some said it went well, some were not thrilled, but they made do. And I've had other clients who just delayed bringing in new employees because they didn't think they could do it virtually. But if you're going to have an entirely virtual workplace, you've got to figure that out. So maybe, Cindy, if you want to take the first shot, uh, how do you make hiring and onboarding work? It's a great question. And to build on Bridget's point, for anyone who's ever done a phone screen that ends in a minute because you say we're at such and such location and then suddenly people disappear and say, nope, not interested, thank you. And that's it. So the time's already gone. So when it, I actually know some great stories of clients that again, tried to delay because we just didn't know how long state of emergencies would last. We didn't know what things were gonna look like and they continue to evolve. So finally, before we head into phase two, businesses are saying, you know what, we've got to go ahead. We've got to pull the plug. So I know great stories of people at senior levels, at all levels of an organization that were onboarded. Again, you're putting this together on a fly. How do we do this? How do we do it quickly? Uh, but it really comes down to communication, collaboration, and the fact that we're not just down the hall from each other. So there's more check-in points. 
but it can be done. It can be done well. It just takes commitment from all sides. Yeah, makes sense. And Bridget, what about you as far as hiring and onboarding? Uh, and I, I don't want to preempt what you're going to say, but I'm, I'm particularly interested in the hiring process. You know, what would you do differently if you're now a virtual operation? In terms of recruitment? Yeah. Um, not actually not a lot. Um, this is something that I've actually written about just recently. Um, and it's, it's not a case of necessarily changing everything that you do because the process of recruitment still remains the same. The question is just how do you reach out to the audience? How do you broaden your audience? So rather than just advertising locally, for example, you can advertise to a broader audience, but it doesn't really take any more effort. Um, and then as Cindy mentioned, you do your phone screen or whatever, but you can actually do it instead of just making it a phone screen, you can actually do it like we are with Zoom or some other kind of video. Um, so you actually do get to meet the person face to face um, rather than just doing a phone screen and you just go through your questions that way. Um, I think, like I said earlier, it, it's a good way for people to meet each other without having to be physically in the same place. You still get a sense of the person. Um, and the rest of the process more or less remains the same. You just add more technology to the to the mix. Yeah, I'm curious if you guys have seen or expect to see a lot of reluctance. Because I mean, I can tell you, as I mentioned, I'm doing mediations virtually, and they are they've been tremendously successful. But I've had lawyers who say, "I need to see the person across the table. I need to see the whites of their eyes. I need to see their body language." I don't buy any of that, um, and I think we're demonstrating that right now. But are you seeing a lot of reluctance? Are you seeing people say, I'm never going to hire someone unless I meet them face to face? I would say that I saw reluctance before the pandemic. So it was really a case because technology and, and the pandemic have evolved us to where we are. So it's not so easy just to say that. But for anyone who's recruited in different locations across Canada or even in the US, getting on a plane for an interview wasn't always feasible. So, but before it was very much, I want to see the whites of their eyes and I'll meet them in an airport, you know, cafe if I need to. Now there's an evolution and I think people are willing to give it a try. And once they do, it's hard to find a case not to say, you know what, that's just like being there. Yeah, I mean, obviously you're talking to the preaching of the converted here, but I totally agree with you on that. Mm -hmm. um, so let's shift for a little bit. So let's say we're going past the hiring and the onboarding. Now we're going to talk about, you know, the ongoing relationship. And that's, that's where I've seen a lot of skepticism as well, you know, and people and I'll think of the classic could be a law firm, could be any type of industry or any type of organization, where people say, yeah, it's one thing you can get your work done from home. But you know, if you're want to climb the corporate ladder, you've got to build your network, you've got to make your connections, you've got to have your cheerleaders, and you can't build those relationships when you're not bumping into each other at the coffee maker and you're not you know, popping downstairs to Starbucks together. So how does this look five or 10 years from now when you've got thousands of people working in the same organization, but they've never actually met face to face? How do you make sure people feel like they are part of a, of a team? Cindy, do you want to jump in there first? I would love to. So I, I've shared with both of you, I've had this similar experience. So again, like I said, I feel like some of my experiences are, are catching up to where I've been. But I used to be and work for organizations where I was the only person out of the province. And so I would hear that all the time. You're, you're not going to be able to, you know, network and you're missing hallway conversations and chatter. And those were always the key phrases that I would hear. But yet it's about connection. 
So if I myself am the person in Ontario, I was responsible for almost all of Canada. You have to make connections. You need to call. You need to email. You need to make sure to say, hey, I'm there and check in. And when you do that and when you work on projects and there's different exposures, I think what we're going to find over time is the beliefs that we held for so long that we held on for, for dear life. I think we're going to realize that they're, they work then and it's what we stuck to. But now that we have different opportunities, it's going to look different and it's okay that it does. I love the way you said that, actually. It's okay that it's going to be different. And you know, we're constantly evolving, so there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, the other complaint or concern I've heard a lot of is the trust factor. And how do I know what they're doing? And how do I know that they're not uh, playing with their kids or cleaning the house? Or how do I even know they're sitting in front of their computer? Uh, and I guess, in a way, it's easy for lawyers because all we, you know, we can focus on the billable hours at the end of the week and you can see if there's a dramatic shift. But for a lot of people, you may not be able to measure that. So how are you responding to people who say, you know, as soon as I can, I'm getting everybody back in here so I can make sure they're sitting at their desk getting their work done. Uh, Bridget, do you want I, to do that I one think, first? Yeah, I, I actually think that that speaks a little bit to the person's leadership style. Um, I think even in a physical office, a good leader will let their people go do their job and come back to them if they need help. They weren't constantly standing at somebody's desk looking over their shoulder. So it's just now a change of instead of not looking over their shoulder in a physical space, now you're not looking over their shoulder online. Um, and I think, again, it speaks to leadership. You don't want to be micromanaging people. Um, if you know that you have a good team in place, if you know and you should know um, that your people will do their jobs, and this speaks to you know company culture and the team, then you should let them just go at it. It doesn't matter if, for example, at home, they take an extra hour in the afternoon to go to pick up some groceries because that's the best time to go to the grocery store. They will put that time in for you afterward to make up. You know what their deliverables are supposed to be. And as long as they deliver them on time, does it really matter if they spend seven hours versus eight hours at home? Did it matter if, if they spent seven hours versus eight hours in the office? It really, to me, doesn't make that much difference. I think the biggest issue for this particular piece is going to be changing the mindset of the managers, not the team. Yeah, no, I think that's very true. And you made a great point there about, you know, people might take more time during the day. And especially now when a lot of people have kids at home, uh, yeah. they may need more time during the day, but they're going to come back in the evening. They're going to start earlier because they're not spending two hours commuting every day. Exactly. So I recently gone. heard a good term called windowed work. So this is my first introduction to the term. And it's very much what Bridget was talking about. So we're creating windows. And whether you have children or whether you want to be able to do yoga or even go for a walk, the idea behind it is that you set time aside for your work and then your break is that window that mm. you go and do something else. So I thought that was a great way to describe kind of our next new normal. I like that. And, and I guess, you know, I know one of the things I've had heard or heard people say is, well, you know, I, I try calling someone at their home office, they don't answer it. So how do I know what they're doing? So it's, it's often it gets down to communication too. You know, I know that within our firm, we sort of always have like an ongoing, you know, chat that we use through, in our case, it's a Google Hangout, but you can just send a quick message and say, I'm going for lunch, we'll be back in an hour, or I'm going, you know, downstairs and back in 20 minutes. As long as people know where, where, you're, where you are and know when you're not available, then it shouldn't be a matter of, like you said, Bridget, it shouldn't be a matter of micromanaging. So I think that's that's a really 
a really great point and it comes down to communication. Um, I'll shift gears a little bit as far as communication goes. So discipline, dismissal, performance management. Um, to me, what this comes down to is, is a difficult conversation. Uh, and I actually had a client call me a few weeks ago and say that they had someone who had had issues before the pandemic started and they were not happy with her performance, uh, but it's just continued. But the HR, in this case, it was an HR director I was speaking with, didn't know what to do. You know, she said, I was going to send a quick text message, but I thought that's kind of an impersonal way to do it. And I couldn't do an email because it's also impersonal. I didn't want to call them because then they feel as though I was sort of ambushing them without any warning. But I also didn't want to schedule a meeting because then they'd ask me what the meeting's about and then they worry about it. Uh, so how do you have the difficult conversations when there is no opportunity to actually meet in person? Right. That, that is a bit of a challenge, um, but I think it depends on the relationship that you have with that person. I think it goes back to trust. Um, even if a person, people know when they're not performing. Um, and I think it's just a question of how you approach them. And I don't think there's anything wrong with, um, you know, can I give you a call in half an hour? I just want to chat with you about something. Keep it fairly light. Um, and then that way you're not ambushing them, um, but you do have that opening to be able to speak to them. And what if they then say, sure, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> well, um, <laughs> then you can, you can say, you know, I, I just, uh, I'm not even sure what to say. It depends on the situation, obviously. But um, I think if we lean toward honesty, that's also the way forward to me. I think because we're, we're going to be so much remote, because we're going to be so much online, <clears throat> we have to be able to be honest with people um, and give them a little bit of a lead, a little bit of a lead in terms of that. I would just say I have something important I need to speak to you about. I'd rather not discuss it by email. And can I call you in however much time? Yeah, that uh, that makes sense. I mean, as we've been saying all along, all of this can be done. And I see Rob scribble, scribbling. We have a question. Um, so. <laughs> What obligations do employers have to ensure the home office is safe, ergonomic, and healthy? I love that we were talking about using technology and yet we're still having Rob handwrite the questions for us. <laughs> we need a whiteboard. <laughs> so yeah, this is a question that we're getting a lot. I, and I used to get this even before the pandemic of, you know, what about you know, occupational health and safety? If the person slips and falls at work uh, or the desk falls down and falls on their, on their leg, as actually happened to a client of mine, uh, you know, is that now covered by occupational health and safety? So I know that's more of a legal question, but uh, it, it raises a great question I was going to get to later of what are, you know, what should employers be doing? If they're going to tell their staff from now on, you're working from home, what should they be providing in terms of equipment and what should they be doing in terms of making sure that the workplace is still safe and ergonomic? Uh, who wants to go first on that one? Um, I'll, I'll jump in there just briefly yeah. and then Cindy, I'm sure we'll, we'll sure. add more. But my thought is that is going to be a really challenging piece because every single person that works from home is going to have different needs. Some people are already well equipped. Some people have virtually nothing. Um, the employer is going to have to look at what is their job? What do they need to do their job? Um, and then try to find have a discussion with the person about what they need to bring into the home and what's already available in the home. The problem with health and safety, of course, is the employer um, can't really go into every person's house and say, that's good, that's not good, this is a health and safety issue. So um, I think that's something that 
they're going to have to work out with the employee individually and just say, look, here's some minimum standards. We need to make sure that your home has X. Um, and then can you, can you ensure that or do you need help to ensure that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Cindy, if anyone to add to that. <laughs> Those are great points, Bridget, absolutely. And a lot of it is about communication and expectations. So in the past, I've worked on policies that really clearly articulate, even again, pre-COVID, where cords should be, for example. Again, best practices for a safe, a safe workplace at home, making sure there's no debris on stairs. I know this sounds really silly, but even being on your phone, walking down your stairs at home, something that silly could become an occupational hazard, which none of us want to see. So sometimes just setting out expectations and reasonable guidelines can really help to just ensure a preliminary base of safety in the home. Makes sense. And actually, if you could talk to my son at some point who walks down the stairs watching videos on his iPad all the time, I'd appreciate it. <laughs> I'm sure he feels it's very talented and he's able to do it no problem. <laughs> You've obviously been talking to him already. Completely. <laughs> That, that's a great point. And then it kind of relates to something else I was going to get to, which is providing equipment. So, and, and the question I've been getting lately actually is Wi-Fi. You know, so you want me to work from home? I need to get a better package, faster package. Are you going to pay for that? Or what I've heard a lot of as well is the Wi-Fi keeps dropping or because my spouse and my kids are all home, it's just not enough bandwidth. So I'm using my data. And are you going to pay for that? So have you seen a trend as far as what businesses are doing in that respect? Personally, I have not. Um, again, I think that's going to be one of those things that has to be discussed individually. My big thing is you've got, you know, 20, 100 or 200 employees. Every one of them is going to have some different varietal of the, all of those questions. Um, and I guess the company is going to have to figure out how far they're willing to go to support individuals in that respect. Um, the same goes for the physical equipment. Somebody may need physical equipment that they don't already have. Yeah, absolutely. And I've seen like a lot of our clients, you know, they're, they're just adopting their standard package of everyone gets a <laughs> desktop computer and two laptops and a keyboard. And if you want more than that, then you can buy that yourself. But, but and I think that to me is the best way to do it because then everyone gets the same. And it's, it's no different than it was before. If you want to bring in your specialized mouse or whatever, then you can do that on your own. Unless it's an ergonomic issue where there's a duty to accommodate. Then Absolutely. You do that anyways. And that's, that to me is no different than if you're in the, the company premises. Uh, if somebody needs a pad for the chair or a certain type of backrest, then you should be providing that even if they're working at home. And this is something companies are going to have to look at going forward because before, again, someone's work from home might have been every Friday and it was a one day a week and now we're completely changing. So these are, again, more policies that companies will need to look at as to what makes sense now and going forward. Yeah, we've been working with a lot of our clients on their remote work policies and their attitude has not been, let's develop a policy for the pandemic. It's, it's let's develop a policy for going forward. Absolutely. Um, I think you know now that we have time now now is the time to really plan it out and figure out what you need and what the policies are going to be um so i want to as i think i warned you guys the time flies by so i know we're already about 24 minutes in i want to talk about one story and i, I forget if it was cindy or bridget one of you found this the, the news story about the woman in the states who was fired because her kids kept being, making too much noise during, yes uh, <laughs> which 
I mean, I love, I, I hate the story, but I love the story because it highlights a real issue here. I mean, we've all become so used to having Zoom meetings where you see someone's spouse, someone's kids, someone's kids in the background. I mean, I, I don't know if you guys can hear it, but I'm just sensitive to it. I can hear my son whistling as he walks through the hallway in the background. Uh, we've all gotten used to that and we're all mostly, for the most part, we're willing to accept it now because we know these are just unanticipated times. Right. Uh, but what about when you're going to go forward and you're going to announce as a company that everyone is working from home and you have someone say, well, I live in a small two bedroom apartment with my spouse, three kids and a dog. So I don't even know if I have space to work. And if I do, you're going to see and hear my kids. Um, so I guess I'll throw it over maybe to Cindy to you first. I mean, how do you, how do you deal with that generally? And that's a great question. And of course, it's coming down to this evolving state of understanding that this is what it is and one size won't fit all. But mm -hmm. if companies are mandating that everybody is working from home, then we've got to be able to expect that we're going to have uninterrupted expectations and, and you know, surprises. I have a dog who's currently sleeping. And but if someone's going to drop off a package, he'd be joining the Zoom call. So these things do happen. And it, it's how we work together to collaborate, to understand that these are our new offices. It's no different than when I used to be on a call at work and I would have very shared space. If someone was on a call louder and they were louder than I was, someone could hear them just the same. So it, it's not as different as we think it is. It's just more personal. Yeah, that's that's a great point. And, and I mean, ultimately, and I had this discussion with someone also recently, I mean, ultimately, if your decision is that we are now a remote-based company, nobody, there is no office space for people to come into, then it may just not be the right company for that person anymore. And it's no different than saying we have a factory in Hamilton. And if you don't want to work in Hamilton, then this isn't the right place for you. So that's ultimately, true. you may have to terminate their employment and obviously, you know, there's legal implications there. Uh, but you're changing the very nature of the workplace. And as you said, you've got to adapt to every individual, but there are some individuals that it just will not work for. Exactly. The only caution that I want to add here, Stuart, is um, particularly because the case in California reminded me, this can touch on human rights issues. Uh, because she, in fact, did go to the company and explain her situation. She was trying to find a way to resolve it to their satisfaction. Um, but effectively, um, she's now brought a suit against them for discrimination. And that could very well happen here. We have to be particularly cautious in dealing with now switching to remote work, that we are not making rules that will ultimately touch on or impact people from a human rights perspective. It's a great point, Bridget, and it, it's and it, we don't have the time to really play this out, but it's an interesting question because if you were to say to that person, clearly this isn't working out, so we're going to have to terminate your employment, she would presumably say, you've now discriminated against me on the basis of my family status, which Absolutely. is a breach of human rights. Yes. Uh, and one question, of course, as I think we all know, is would there have been a way to accommodate her? Uh, but if there is no other workplace she can go to, I mean, the question is, could you accommodate her? Uh, or are you just on the hook for additional damages because of the fact that you could not accommodate her? I mean, it raises a great question. So I think it's a great point. <laughs> and, and I think part of it too is if you cannot accommodate, then at least be nice about how you terminate or how you end that relationship, not just you know do what they did. <laughs> it's an interesting story to, to look up, to read uh, about what happened to her. And I, I think we have to be very cautious that we don't see more repeats of that. 
No, I think that's a great point. I mean, everyone's got to be cautious, conscious of business concerns, but also legalities, human rights concerns, and everything else. Because everything, I always say this in the in the course I teach, the HR law for HR professionals course. You know, there's never or almost never an employment standards question or a human rights question. Every question takes all these things into account. So even though you're making the best business decision, you've got to be mindful of human rights as well. So I think that's important to bear in mind. I mean, the other thing I was going to mention is, you know, we're talking about someone working from home. And you guys mentioned guidelines and policies. One of them should be the equipment that you're using because you probably don't yes. want them storing confidential business information on the same computer that their teenage kid is using for TikTok and Instagram and everything else. Uh, so security is going to be really important as well. And vice versa, the employee needs to know their personal information, including information about them and what's behind them in their office at home is not available online or becoming public in some way. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah, I think this is going to become one of the bigger issues as we move forward, because people need to and companies need to make those adjustments. Yeah, no, I think you got to be mindful of that. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll try not to go too much longer, even though I think the conversation is, as usual, great. And as I expected, Cindy, I know you want to talk a bit about the mental health aspect. And yes. there's been a lot of talk about isolation and the impact of isolation on some people. So. Why don't we end with that, and then we'll get to the uh, the fire away section at the end. And again, thank you. This has been way too much fun, as always. So the, the mental health Never aspect too is much one. Fun. We can't. We can't. The mental health aspect is one we really can't forget about because even if somebody has, you know, five family members that they're living with, that day to day, that colleague and camaraderie, that having a place to go, everybody is adapting to that differently. And so even if people are alone or whether they live with, you know, a whole house full of people, we have changed the new normal. People's reason to get up every day to get dressed has completely changed. And as colleagues, as HR, as leaders, as even peers, we need to be mindful of being kind to one another. So whether that's check-ins, you know, employees, and again, you want to be able to speak to your culture. So if you're a leader or HR and you're organizing events, I mean, I've heard of things like online games and family feud. People are actually having virtual potlucks and they were posting as to what they were cooking and what they were sharing. And if you think about it, this really can be a team building activity. So it's not if we were if you were in the office spirit with your team, maybe for the summer, you'd have a summer activity. So it's it's not out of the realm of what we've always done. It's just a different way to look at it. And the other part of mental health, of course, that's really important. And again, for companies that have it is EAP or EFAP services, mm -hmm. as well as there's so many different government services that are being provided free of charge. So if someone's children are struggling, there's kids help phone, or there's numbers to call in to get resources and help. So we wanna make sure that no one feels alone, not during this time, not during any time. Yeah, great point. And EAP especially, because a lot of people are struggling and, and most companies have resources available. So normally at this point, I would take my chance to uh, to fire away, but I'm going to graciously forgo that opportunity and, and give it over to Bridget and Cindy, who are going to share their top tips for their best practices in today's challenging and evolving work environment. So Cindy, do you want to go first? Sure, absolutely. I won't make it feel like a top 10, but we are going to do a top four. So the first point that we want to start off with is communicate, communicate, and communicate. This can be everything from conversations and check-ins to, hi, how are you? This is meetings and town halls and company updates. 
we really want to encourage you to communicate frequently, openly, transparency, and keep the employees updated. And always remember that emails and messages and WhatsApp, they, they don't convey tone, they don't convey tonality, and they won't convey intention. So like Stuart mentioned earlier, if you're going to have an HR director say, do I email, do I call, do I text? Always keep the sender in mind, sorry, the receiver in mind. And also we want to encourage employees to communicate more. This is across divisions, down, up, peers, but that you're really holistically keeping in touch. Cool. Great, great point. And great point about the tone of anything that's text-based. So that's really helpful, especially when you're not having the coffee or the water cooler chit-chat, so to speak. Uh, Bridget, what are your uh, top tips for dealing with the current work environment? Yeah. So um, one of the things that I think is extremely important is that we need to really, really consider adapting our expectations and our hours for people. Not everybody is in the same situation. When you come to work, you have eight hours straight time. You, you know where you are. You know what you're doing. Working remotely, things are a little bit different. There are interruptions that we weren't getting at work. There are different things that take place. There. We're all working from a different space. So we need to make sure that we are adapting for everybody's individual needs and just recognizing what they have to do in order to get their work done. Not be overly, as I say, micromanaging earlier. Don't over overmanage, manage according to what the person needs. Not everything fits the same for every person on your team. So just be aware of their individual requirements. Makes sense. And Cindy, Cindy has. So of course, and this fits in lovely with, with you know, again, fire away, but we want to remind everybody to review all of your employee life cycle workflows and processes. So this is everything from your recruitment and your contracts, your onboarding, your goal setting, your performance management, and your terminations. And we want you to take a look at it from a place of a remote and a flexible workforce. So it's always as well not to forget about your employer branding. And very, very important is your employee experience because your employees are living it every day regardless of where they're located. That's right. Yeah. And lastly... The biggest thing, one of the biggest things to remember too is throughout all of this is to ensure that you recognize your employees. Don't assume that they understand that they're being appreciated or that they are appreciated. You have to show it, you have to say it, you have to share it. So make sure that you say so in team meetings, send them flowers, send them lunch, send them a thank you card, do a shout out, whatever you have do make sure that you're recognizing people for this extra effort that they're putting in right now. Love that. Great point. And as, <laughs> as someone said to me recently, I mean, the, the, the connection or the loyalty may decrease when there's no physical connection. So you, as you said, you got to make sure people feel valued, yes. feel like they're part of the team. Yes, definitely. All right. Well, that was some great tips. So thank you both. And that's all the time we have for our season three episodes, six of Fire Away. So I do want to thank everyone for tuning in. I know we went a little bit longer than usual, but the conversation was great. Thank you in particular to Bridget and Cindy for joining me today. Uh, what I will say is that everyone is still struggling with trying to figure out what the new normal is and what it's going to be in the future. We still see a lot of individuals and businesses making mistakes, mostly because they're acting based upon assumptions as opposed to making informed decisions. So. I will invite everyone to keep up to date by fo following our running blog on COVID-19 workplace related matters. 
as well as all of our social media. We're trying to get information out there as much as we possibly can, especially because the situation keeps changing. It wasn't quite hour to hour as it was in March and April, but it's still day to day, if not week to week. So keep on top of it, know your rights, know your obligations. We've created, and I mentioned this last time, a 30 page PDF on a guide to getting back to business. So feel free to email us and we can get you a copy. But most importantly, I'll say what I say every time. If you think you might need an employment lawyer, you probably do. If you're not sure what your rights are, what your obligations are, especially in these unusual times, feel free to reach out to us and we'd be happy to help. Uh, just a reminder, our next episode is August 18th. We're gonna be joined by Denise Coster, uh, who is the author of a book called Refusing to Accept the Unacceptable, The Trials, Tribulations and Triumphs of Workplace Bullying and Harassment. So this will be the first non-COVID-19 topic in quite a while, but it should be a really great one. So please tune in for that, August 18th. And just a reminder, the past episodes can be found on YouTube, on our website, archived on Facebook. And if you like or our page, subscribe to our channels. You'll get notifications about when the episodes are live. Thank you lastly to Rob, to Rebecca, and to Mark for helping to put the show together as always. And we'll see you next time. Thank you, Stuart. Thank you.